Welcome to The Five Nine, the official podcast of the Fierce Telecom and Technology Group. Join us each week for the latest insights on 5G, millimeter wave, AI, electronics, sensors, networking, infrastructure, and more in the communications and technology space. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Five Nine podcast brought to you by the Fierce Telecom team. As always, my name is Alejandro Pinero, your host, and this week we head a little bit further up in the atmosphere. We're going to be talking to Christopher Casarubias, Head of Regulatory and Government Affairs for Latin America and Caribbean at OneWeb. Christopher, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to have you join us here on the podcast. Uh, absolutely, Alejandro. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, uh, you got my last name pronunciation right, which is also, <laughs> uh, you know, not very common. So uh, we're starting off... Uh, on a good note. Um, Excellent. Yeah, I feel like I, I have a I have a bit of an advantage there as a Spanish speaker. And of course, uh, you know, Christopher, I know that your background is from Latin America, right? You have experience working in the region. So it'll be great to hear a little bit about that. So before we really dig into, um, you know, OneWeb and all the exciting things that you guys are up to, it'd be great to get a very brief introduction yeah, to, to your background and, and specifically to your role within OneWeb, what, what it is that, that keeps you busy. Sure. Well, look, I um, at OneWeb, I lead a government affairs slash regulatory function uh, for the Latin America and the Caribbean region. Uh, as you know, a region that is, uh, first of all, a, a, a vast region, a very important markets for us from a commercial standpoint, Brazil, Mexico, Colombia, Argentina, Chile, a region which is diverse as well. It, you know, for, in, in some ways, it's homogeneous in terms of the Spanish-speaking language in Latin, but also we have the Caribbean, which you know, it's in, its own has its own um, complexities, challenges, and uh, and ways of, of looking at at regulation from a, a telecoms or satellite-specific standpoint. So that makes my life um, a interesting, busy. Uh, my day to day, but I really enjoy. Um, I, I really enjoy. Uh, a, yeah, trying to um, a, advance the mission of OneWeb in, in this country, supporting a, not only from a regulatory standpoint, a, but also increasingly helping a, my colleagues on the commercial the commercial team to a, get together with governments and trying to address the a, the sort of the challenges that they have on, on connectivity and, and they have programs and policies, increasingly so, which I'm very happy to see in the region to address this. Uh, and uh, and they are following up with investment, with money, and that's good to see. So increasingly my um, my work is also, you know, helping at least uh, open up those discussions for my commercial team and uh, be an enabler in that, in that way. So uh, that's pretty much it so from a broad perspective. Brilliant. And I have to say, I already started a very high level of respect for you because whenever I hear about regulation and that already gives me a headache. And then when I hear about Latin America and knowing a little bit about the region, the complexity is huge. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll pick your brain a little bit further on in terms of what that looks like and, and some key challenges. But before we get into, into the, uh, the in-depth discussion on that, I, I thought it might be a good idea to to put a level playing field in terms of where we are right now as, as a satellite industry, you know, there, I think there has been huge advancements over the, the last few years, obviously with, you know, LEO, uh, low earth orbit uh, satellites really coming into play in, in numbers. And, and that probably has addressed some of the, 
let's say, traditional misconceptions or concerns about uh, satellite connectivity. So, yeah, before we, we really dig into the big opportunities and perhaps some of the challenges out there, could you give us a little bit of a state of play or where you are, um, perhaps as, as an industry in addressing some of those, you know, you often hear about the cost associated with satellite, perhaps latency devices, that kind of thing. Where are we now uh, when it comes to to um, all those different aspects? Of course, Alejandro, I think you, you know, you, you summarize uh, well, um, where, where are we uh, in the satellite industry as, as a whole, I would say. I think we're in a turning point. We're at a very exciting times ahead of us. Satellite communications nowadays is not the same that uh, satellite communications five, 10 years ago. Uh, we're seeing disruption, we're seeing innovation uh, to some extent that, you know, the the fact that uh, people like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos are investing and are disrupting the market, it's, I think it's positive. I think it's positive. It's putting us again or putting us finally uh, in the mainstream of the ecosystem. Uh, and I see it every day. You know, people want to talk to me. Governments are very excited about what we're doing. I was last week in Brazil um, in the inauguration ceremony of our one of our gateways and a lot of interest, a lot of interest. So we were really at the turning point. And 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 look, b- beyond what I can say, we can perhaps take a look at what happened. Three developments that I would highlight from last year, uh, from very three important entities, both commercially and the government side of things. So, what a common denominator can be between Apple, uh, the FCC, and um, and. Um, uh, the mobile operator um, T-Mobile, right? So just l- last year, the th- these three entities um, it just showed a trust, trust and confidence in the satellite industry. They rely on satellite technology to innovate, to improve the service offering they have and, uh, and to uh, obviously reduce the digital gaps that we have in terms of access and affordability. So to give you... The, the examples, um, T-Mobile and SpaceX announced uh, in August last year, I believe, the coverage and above and beyond initiative, which essentially will use um, satellite technology to uh, cover vast ter- ter- territories in the U.S. Uh, that so far don't have any coverage of 3G or 4G networks. Uh, you may have seen the announcement of the new iPhone iPhone phone, the iPhone 14, uh, back in September last year as well. Uh, And uh, Apple introduced satellite capability, satellite connectivity, even in areas where there is no cellular or Wi-Fi connectivity. And Apple boasted about this new capability alongside all other advances of um, in its new device. So I think, you know, this tells you again how mainstream uh, we are, we are, we are becoming. Uh, Just lastly, FCC granted as well around September last year to a company called Link the first commercial license for mobile phone service via satellite, or in other words, direct-to-phone satellite connectivity. And, and, and that's the regulatory trend. I think the regulatory trend is catching up with the commercial technology trend in terms of precisely communication directly from the satellites to devices. And that's going to be as well a game changer. So, you know, uh, there is a lot of innovation. There is investment in there are new players um, the the capabilities of satellite communications, I think, are different now. We are not just talking about sort of communications of last resort. 
right? So, you know, when emergency strikes, when there is a hurricane, a flood, or on those areas where there is no other way of uh, laying out other sort of terrestrial infrastructure, we're really thinking about satellite communication, at least from a LEO standpoint, low Earth orbit, and um, this is because of latency, 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 easy to understand, we're closer to the Earth. Uh, as, uh, you know, as mainstream communications for enterprise networks, uh, for having these sort of calls that we're having now using Zoom, Teams, whatever platform it is, whatever you are. Um, and uh, and uh, the, the feedback that we're getting from clients is magnific. Just uh, again, in terms of the latency, in terms of the speed that we can reach. Uh, so a bright future ahead of us, Alejandro. Great. Yeah, it's it's good to hear that, you know, obviously satellite technology is, is uh, becoming, as you say, not something of last resort, but for perhaps a, a more um, important tool in the in the toolkit for, for carriers and enterprises in, in building connectivity. And, and on that point, so, you know, I think if you just look at the news um, in the last few months, OneWeb has, has been making some pretty big announcements in terms of partnerships uh, with different carriers in, 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 uh, across the globe, really. Uh, you know, BT, Vion are the couple that come up. Uh, just, you know, uh, last night preparing for this interview, I also read about a recent announcement you made with Orange. Um, and I'm sure that there's some specifically to, to LATAM, which we can talk about in a little bit. But I guess, where do you see the sweet spot then for uh, OneWeb in terms of delivering connectivity, whether it's 5G or other services um, within, uh, you know, LATAM and beyond? What, if it's not something of last resort, where does it kick in? Right. So let me just explain to you, I think it's important to, to, to explain to you how we want to go to the market. Because also this makes a difference with what other companies are doing. So we're all about partnerships and we see ourselves as well as a technology company in terms of, we're enabling connectivity, right? The end user doesn't care if it's OneWeb, if it's uh, one of our distribution partners, if it's you know Starlink. They want to get a good service, and that's what we are about. So, the way we're, we are going to the market, our business model is we are we're not a B two C company, right? We are working through distribution partners. We're lo- we're working through local ISPs. Uh, and why we're doing this? Because we believe that uh, these companies that have been long um, operating in the markets that we want to serve, which essentially are all over the world, uh, just know better the context than us, know better the, their customers, their customers' requirements, their customers' needs. And again, we're seeing ourselves as enablers of connectivity. And through them, we think we're going to be more successful together to satisfy the needs of the end user. Uh, and uh, again, there is a lot of interest in us. So we, we now have around 35 to 40 distribution partners signed globally. Um, and, uh, and that's how we want to, that's how, that's how we want to reach the, uh, their, their customers are, and that businesses and communities in LATAM and all over the world. Um, where do we see the role of OneWeb? And uh, I'm s- going to respond based uh, primarily on the feedback that I've gotten from uh, you know, businesses and, and governments in, in the region. And uh, look, it's quite vast, uh, Alejandro. Let me just start for government services. So there is quite, um, quite a demand, quite an interest from uh, different government entities um, to partner with OneWeb. Um, to essentially 
satisfy the connectivity needs they have. This can be in terms of, a, you know, a, a healthcare, a connecting remote schools, um, helping municipalities, state governments to um, have better connectivity so that they can digitalize their, you know, their their, their services. Any any sort of uh, administrative process that they have. Um, uh, we've discussed with um, with uh, governments in LATAM, uh, for instance, uh, Earth observation, observation of the Amazonas, monitoring, uh, which you know we we, we can do. Um, so that's on the government side of things. Um, again, that the, um, reaching reaching remote communities, of course, is one of our mission. Has always been and will always be an important use case and commercial. A opportunity for us, that's for sure. Uh, but at the same time, we are seeing, for instance, a lot of interest in in the mobility market, and that's uh, that's particularly important for for us and other satellite companies. But again, we are, I think, uh, uniquely positioned to um, to serve those markets again for for the technology capabilities that we have, uh, primarily with regards to the low latency that we can achieve. So, uh, a lot of interest from um, from airlines from the cruise industry, uh, from the merchant industry, uh, for connectivity on the move. No, we don't have to repeat again how important it is for all of us to remain connected. It's not anymore uh, sort of a good to have if you're traveling on a plane and you know you can connect. It's something that you expect as a customer, as a, as a, as a user of an, of an airline. So a lot of opportunity there for us. And in fact, we, we are, you know, we are, we are discussing um, with different partners, with airlines, uh, with other parts of the ecosystem, how we can serve that specific vertical. Um, enterprise networks in all sorts of uh, industries, mining, oil rigs, agriculture, uh, again, uh, a lot of um, a lot of demand or interest in those in those areas as well. And you know, it's very it's very encouraging as well that the more I talk to, um, uh, I would say in my role to government entities, uh, the more use cases uh, sort of pop up, right? So things that that w- perhaps from a you know from a one standpoint we have not envisioned, but then you know. That, that's the beauty of it, I suppose. Say when 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 a customer, a potential customer, just um, a, presents a challenge, and you know, I say, will you be able to do this? Right? Would you be able to monitor uh, our water systems? Uh, for instance, uh, an entity in Brazil that with with whom we had a discussion in the in the past. Um, put the question for us. Say, well, look, yes, yes, we can, or you know, we we can, we can, we can try. So, again, there there are use cases that per- perhaps are not ambitious or another traditional ones, but they are they are popping up, and uh, and I'm very uh, bullish that we will be able to to address those as well. And and that kind of leads nicely to to the next point I wanted to to ask you about, which is. Um, you know, I think our listeners in, in Latin America will be pretty happy because I get a lot of requests to bring some focus to the region um, and, and hear specifically about what opportunities are out there, whether it's, um, you know, for telecoms globally, but in this case for for satellite players and, and the services it enables. You've already mentioned a few use cases, right? So, you know, reaching remote communities, the Amazon rainforest uh, monitoring um, water levels. I guess specifically for for Latin America, what what are you most excited about, or and and also in terms of those use cases and opportunities unique to the region, 
Um, and and where are we in terms of maturity? Uh, you know, do you feel like we're just kicking off in terms of what, uh, how we can unlock the opportunities that something like, you know, that, that connectivity through through OneWeb and your distributors provides? Or, or do you see already a certain maturity coming to play and, and some use cases really kicking off there? Right. So, so look, a... LATAM, for various reasons that we can discuss now, presents for us a huge opportunity, right? It's evidently one of the regions, if not the region, that will benefit more from a transformational technology as ours. Why? Huge territory, right? Traveling from Mexico City to Rio de Janeiro takes almost as long as crossing the Atlantic from, you know, maybe Lisbon to to, to Rio. So it's, it's, it's a huge, people don't realize how, how, how large of a continent it is. Difficult geographies or topographies. So already a very important challenge in terms of laying out other type of infrastructure. That's why satellite communications has, has already an important role. And I will say a, a democratization role that it has played in terms of reaching those communities. Um, and then you have to look at sort of more broadly the, the situation there, wide income gaps, right? Unfortunately, that's a situation of our countries. You have a vast majority of um, people that are struggling to make a living in a very sort of low, low, low income. And then you have a lot of a few people that have um, uh, enough to get on, <laughs> let's say, let's say like that. Uh, and, and these income gaps, uh, for, for what matters to us, is that uh, they represent uh, millions of people that are still unconnected or not connected in the way we believe, we believe people should be connected. This is uh, in an affordable way and, in, um, and having quality broadband, not just any sort of broadband. And so in that regard, we're seeing already a lot of interest from, from companies doing business in LATAM. Uh, again, the other part of that, I think that the other part I will mention is in LATAM, you have very important markets, obviously. Brazil. Brazil is one of our main uh, priority markets, not only in the region, but globally. Globally. Uh, Mexico, um, Colombia, uh, Argentina, Chile, and, you know, that we can continue. So we're seeing already a lot of int- and a lot of interest from international companies doing business in LATAM from mm, a LATAM LATAM based companies or national companies that uh, have reached out to us and you know they are asking how how we can help you know how we can partner how we can um, help them in the oil industry in in, in mining in farming a very diverse use cases that we can serve in the region. Uh, also, of course, you know, corresponding to the to, to, to the economies that we have there. Um, expanding terrestrial networks has to be one of the, uh, as well, one of the, the priorities for us. This sort of from a greenfield perspective when there is nothing that has been laid out, but also in terms of um, uh, filling the dots in terms of uh, where there are white spots as well. So in that case, in that, in that, in that way, we're um, uh, partnering with um, MNOs if, uh, and some of them are our distribution partners in the region. We're talking to others on how we can you know, satisfy this and, and integrate our network into 5G. We're not talking just, you know, 3G, again, you know, sort of low satellite, low speed, high latency satellite connectivity, but we're really thinking about sort of quasi-fiber 
y connectivity, connectivity quality. Yeah, yeah, I think those are some some great points. And I know that, you know, with Latin America, obviously with a lower ARPU for individuals, any opportunities that open services to enterprises or large scale, um, you know, industrial players, whoever it might be, even at a government level will be a welcome for, for key players in the region. So I think that's a very interesting take beyond also, as you mentioned, the, the terrestrial networks and, and, and expanding it. And Christopher, before, um, before I, I let you go here, I really wanted to get your, pers your, your thoughts on the regulatory landscape that exists in mm -hmm. Latin America. Of course, that's your bread and butter and what you, you spend your time doing. I, you know, I've spent both uh, my time here at Fierce and in past lives, professional lives, covered Latin America to a certain extent. And I can say that the regulatory landscape is, is often complex, to say the least, right? There's mm -hmm. a great difference from country to country, fluctuating opinions, differences, uh, changing mm -hmm. governments, changing priorities, right. uh, funding, etc. You know, and that's just, uh, I think... <laughs> getting to, to the start of it. What what are you seeing? And I know, by the way, for, for the, the benefit of our, our listeners as well, that Christopher, you do also have a background of being on the other side of the, the coin, right? Of having that experience of having worked in yeah. the regulation and ministerial side in, in, in Mexico. Um, so it'd be great to hear your thoughts on, on where we are in that regulatory um maze if you will uh, is it a, a positive uh, uh momentum that we're getting is it something that uh, you know i'm sure it's keeping you busy but is it is it moving forward when it comes to you know building regulatory frameworks and and legal frameworks that support all of these use cases that you're, yes. you're bringing up in this interview i i think it is alejandro and uh, again you point out very uh, very cleverly, what are some of the challenges? Yes, we, we look, I think we don't have a harmonized regulatory framework uh, if you compare to what happens in Europe in the, you know, at, the, at the European level where there is an institution that strives to push forward harmonized regulations. We don't have that in LATAM. And people, people in LATAM, governments in LATAM, they have their own way of thinking, their own priorities to pursue. So yes, you have a, in many ways a patchwork of uh, regulations that obviously have an important impact in not only on satellite companies and uh, in one web, but you know, I would say across, across the ecosystem. Uh, even if you go to the, to another level, yes, you are absolutely right. So you know the the, the changes in government and the lack of continuity is very very important. You end up, uh, you know, almost striking a deal with a government, or uh, perhaps um, on a commercial side of things, or uh, you know pushing for um, regulation that will be more enabling for the satellite community, and then you have a change in that government. Uh, back to square one. So, you know, that's just a reality. But I have to say that, yes, Alejandro, I think it's moving forward. We have seen in the last um, year and a half very important developments. Brazil came up with a, I would say, quasi-perfect satellite, a new satellite regulatory framework accounting for LEOs, which is very important. Generally speaking, the satellite regulations in the region are not yet sort of suitable or as suitable as they can be for Leo constellations. They were talking to the sort of the legacy uh, satellite communications companies and geo companies, and there are some changes that we believe will have to 
um, will have to occur for these um, regulations to also account for for companies like ours, right? So, but, but, but it's moving forward. The, the Brazil case, Colombia also had uh, some changes in the regulation, particularly with regards to how, how how Spectrum is priced and how Spectrum is used for satellite communications. Mexico recently adopted changes as well, very important ones. All these on a sort of consultation basis where we had the opportunity as OneWeb and as that, the other players in the industry, of course, to participate. So I believe it's moving forward. But obviously, you know, not at the pace that we want. And that's also on us to continue nudging and continue pushing for these conversations to happen. In, w- what is important for us? I mean, a few things that I will highlight. Um, universal service funds. Most countries of our regions have laws and, um, you know, they have established this very important, I would say, tool. But we not always see that this actually used, period. Then when they are used, uh, maybe not used as, the, as, as we believe they could or, or should, right? So it's very important to uh, review how these, um, how these tools, how these frameworks work. So that actually, you know, when there is a need, to um, that—that's the purpose of these uh, of these funds uh, to, um, to to finance essentially the rollout of uh, of, um, of of connectivity infrastructure that they can be uh, putting good uh, putting good use. Um, what else I would say? Uh, there is a lot of um, there is a lot of work that has been done in terms of harmonizing regulation for some of our more important. Uh, sort of upcoming services or services that we are providing as a, an industry as a whole. And I would, this particular about mobility, what is called eSIMs or earth stations in, move, in, in movement, uh, in motion, sorry. Again, we're seeing countries that have already uh, made some changes to allow for these services, but we still have in the main, uh, you know, a patchwork as well. So we want to see more of countries, first of all, adopting the, decisions that were taken back in WRC19 already almost four years ago and translate that to the national level and then create uh, uh, um, the, the national rules to allow for these uh, services to to be provided. Um, so I would say that those are the main ones. Um, spectrum is important, obviously. We don't want to see trends, not that we're seeing it, but you know, sometimes you see some initiatives coming up from Congress, for instance, where not necessarily you have the expertise that uh, driving those discussions uh, where, you know, uh, they want to auction a spectrum, for instance, for satellite communications, not understanding how satellite satellite operators use a spectrum on a, on a shared basis, as you know, as opposed to what happens in the terrestrial sector. Um, so those are a few things. But, but yes, Alejandro, I would say we're moving forward. We're moving forward. Excellent. I feel like it's unfair to ask you, you know, about the whole regulatory framework of Latin America in, in just a few minutes. But I feel like that's a very good uh, over, you know, uh, oversight and, and a very good uh, positive outlook, which is always positive for those of us that, that follow the region. Christopher, just to wrap up here, um, I like to ask our guests what they'd like to see in, in a year or two years time in terms of, you know, sure. success. What would success look like in terms of key initiatives that, that you're working. I think, you know, uh, there's a lot going on in Latin America for OneWeb and, and globally. So, and also, by the way, it's a great excuse for me to invite you back in a year and see how we're doing. So, you know, in, I'd be happy to. Yeah. <laughs> so Christopher, what, what would you like to see, where would you like to be in, let's say 18 months, 24, 
months time what would you consider successful what you know i think perhaps in your case let's talk about latin america specifically what from what everything you've talked about what would you like to already see in motion or already deployed company wide in one way we are laser focused on completing our space network there is no way that we can not discuss the impact that geopolitics has had on us but i think we moved on and uh, as a company we reacted impressively swiftly to the challenges and now even if our launch schedule was disrupted we are about to complete our space constellation we are two launches away from it one will happen in the next couple of weeks and then we have one more plan in around a month time so we we with that we are will be able to provide global service global service that obviously includes latam uh, by uh, end of q3 uh, beginning of q4 so that's very exciting for us because again the interest is there uh, they are waiting for us right we're also completing our ground um, our ground infrastructure in latam only we have uh, we'll have around seven gateways Uh, which also speaks to the commitment of OneWeb to invest in the region in terms of CapEx and OpEx. Uh, we are there to, you know, if we are uh, building infrastructure in Colombia, Mexico, Costa Rica, Brazil, Chile, uh, I may be forgetting one, it uh, means that we want to be there for the long term. So I'm quite bullish about what we can do. Remember as well that we are now in the in a, in a merger process with a major uh, geo company called Utilsat. And from a commercial standpoint, that will be extremely positive and it's exciting. One of the major satellite operators that will come up from this merger and offering a unique solution, complementing or combining geo capabilities with Leo, already getting a lot of good feedback and interest in what we can do. So that will put us really in a very in a very exciting position. I would say, again, we'll be able to consolidate our business. Uh, we will be able to continue to sign distribution partnerships um, to reach uh, customers, business and communities all over LATAM and working with governments and uh, on the sort of government affairs regulatory side of things, we want to be their trusted partners. We want to work with governors to satisfy their connectivity needs and, uh, and continue uh, building our uh, a social license to operate in the region and be there for the long term. Excellent. That's uh, that's a great vision. Of course, we haven't even touched on on Utilsat and what that'll mean. That'll have to be a, a different conversation. But for now, Christopher, thank you so much for your time. It's been absolutely fascinating to hear about all the work that's going on in, in the LEO space, but also specifically for Latin America. I think a region that is often overlooked and uh, we certainly want to, to give it a focus here on the podcast. So, so thanks again for joining us. No, thank you. Yeah, thank you for, for your time, for the interest. Of course, LATAM shouldn't be overlooked. It's, a, it's, it's, an, exciting, it's an exciting time for LATAM and, uh, uh, and uh, it has a, a bright future ahead of us. So we will be happy to be part of that. And, uh, and thank you again, Alejandro. Excellent. And of course, thanks to you, listener, for joining us another week here on the Five Nine podcast. This week, we heard from Christopher Casarubias, Head of Regulatory and Government Affairs for Latin America and Caribbean at OneWeb. And we'll be back in your feed next week with more interesting and exclusive insights into what makes our industry so interesting and exciting. Until then, take care and stay safe. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Five Nine, Fierce Telecom's official telecom and technology podcast. Get the latest telecom and technology news at our websites. 
FierceWireless.com, FierceElectronics.com, FierceTelecom.com, and FierceVideo.com. See you soon.